Well, thank you very much for joining us. This is the Jazz Focus, and my name is John Clark. Thank you for keeping us going here, and hope you're enjoying these programs. So our topic today is a little unusual. If you've been frequenting this uh, podcast uh, on Anchor.fm or Spotify or wherever you happen to find it, you may have heard a couple of my earlier programs on various Western swing bands. And I always say Western swing is a term that didn't really exist until the early to mid-1940s, but most of these groups that I'm interested in were making their recordings in the 1930s, and they uh, called themselves jazz bands. They were primarily from the Texas, Oklahoma area, um, white musicians who had grown up listening to recordings of white and black musicians in the swing era and even before, uh, they had a natural affinity for earlier styles of jazz, particularly from the 1920s, although they did uh, record some things that uh, were contemporary pop tunes during the 30s as well. We've done uh, some programs on Milton Brown and his Brownies, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys, uh, Roy Newman and his pals, uh, or boys rather. Um, We have... uh, a radio show out right now that was devoted to the piano playing of Naki Parker. And we're going to hear a little Naki Parker today. He was a really marvelous blues and barrel house and stride piano player who played with the Light Crust Doughboys. And we're going to be talking about the Light Crust Doughboys today. Started out the radio program with two sides that he did uh, in tribute to Joe Sullivan. That was uh, the great Chicago pianist who uh, played uh, in the 1920s and 30s. He uh, played a lot with the Bob Crosby band and he wrote two tunes for that band that he unfortunately didn't get to record. Another piano player named Bob Zerke did. The Gin Mill Blues and uh, Little Rock Getaway. And we played those at the beginning of the radio program. So suggest you uh, take a look at that. Those will be on the podcast very soon. We're going to be listening to the Light Crest Doughboys uh, for today's program, as well as a couple of other related groups with different names, uh, but largely the same personnel or similar personnel, I should say. Milton Brown was the first of the great Western swing bands uh, in the 1930s. Milton Brown himself was a singer. Uh, He was not an instrumentalist, but he was a very good singer whose style could go from crooning to blues to vaudeville-style music, as well as to uh, country-type hillbilly music as well. Sometimes this music was called hillbilly, which was very offensive to the players, uh, who really did consider themselves to be jazz musicians. Uh, Milton Brown died in a, or as the result of a car accident, in the middle 1930s, and his band broke up shortly thereafter. They had been the most popular band uh, in the United States playing this style. Uh, At that point, Bob Wills became even more popular, uh, and his band uh, probably was the most uh, popular and best-known Western swing band up until the mid-40s, anyway. Bob Wills and Milton Brown played together in the first version of this group, the Light Crest Doughboys. They had... uh, found themselves uh, in uh, Dallas first and then Saginaw, Texas in 1931 or so. Uh, And they uh, came together, uh, Bob Wills on violin and uh, uh, Milton Brown, the singer, uh, with a guitarist named Herman Arnsberger. And uh, they were playing some local dates and things like that around. And Bob Wills, who was a pretty good salesman, and so was Milton Brown, talked the Burris Mills, B-U-R-R-I-S, into uh, hiring them to do some radio broadcasts as part of a promotion. 
Burris Mills and Elevator Company, as it was known, uh, did quite a few different things down in Saginaw, Texas, but they used these light crust doughboys, and so named because they were uh, pushing their uh, product, which was their main product, which was flour. And this band uh, trio really would be on the air on radio on uh, KFJZ at noon just about every day and they would play a program of, of jazz or country type music or spirituals or whatever um, came across their plate really but it was all in the service of selling flour for the Burris Mills and they became very very popular they broadcast quite a bit uh, they were actually employees of the mill uh, they had to be, at least because of their boss, who's a man named W. Lee O'Daniel, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but they were, uh, they had other jobs at the factory, but eventually they were just given the job of playing music, and they would spend five, six, seven hours a day in a little room in the mill that had a record player, and they would learn new tunes and old tunes and any tunes from the records. Uh, these were not reading musicians, they played mostly by ear, um, but they uh, came to be known throughout that part of Texas as a very, very uh, impressive little band. And gradually they added some pieces and would start to go out and play some dances and things like that. But uh, Leo Daniel, who was the manager of the mill and the manager of the Light Crest Doughboys, didn't like that. And he thought that they should be just devoting their time to the mill. And Milton Brown was the first to go. He had had it by about 1932 or so. And Bob Wills followed him in 1933. And they both went out on their own and founded their own bands. Uh, that wasn't the end of the Light Crest Doughboys, though. Oh, Daniel realized that this was a very important publicity tool for the mill, and he put other musicians together. And he had a band called the Light Crust Doughboys, uh, working uh, at the mill and also doing tours uh, during the weekends and, and different places. They had their own bus that was outfitted with a little stage uh, so they could uh, play all around the area as far as they could drive and, uh, and still get back in order to do their radio show the next day. Um, and he had that band until he was fired from the mill in about 1935. Um, he had some disagreement about how he was being paid and various things, and so he got canned. Uh, the Light Cresto Boys stayed with the mill and stayed together. O'Daniel went out and founded another band, which we'll talk about in a little while. So we're going to listen to four tunes from the sort of middle period of the Light Crest Doughboys. I'm not going to play any of the very early stuff. The trio with Milton Brown and Bob Wills and Herman Arnsberger was uh, only in the studio once and recorded only two tunes. And frankly, they're not very good. Um, they're good for historical interest. You can look them up on YouTube. But I'm more interested in the jazzier stuff. And that's where we're going to start here. So, the first tune we're going to hear is a jazz standard. Uh, it was an old tune by this point. This was a recording that was made on April 22nd, 1935. Most of these recordings were done in Fort Worth or Dallas and eventually in Saginaw in the mill itself, uh, which was outfitted with a recording studio. And the Light Crest Doughboys recorded pretty much exclusively for Vocalion Records, and those are most of what we're going to hear today. So this tune, the Mylenberg Joys, was composed and originally recorded by the New Orleans Rhythm Kings, a great jazz band. Uh, most of them were from New Orleans, and uh, they uh, were playing in Chicago in the early 1920s and uh, recorded quite frequently. This tune uh, is credited to Paul Marez, the cornet player, Leon Rapolo, the clarinet player, and Jelly Roll Morton, the African-American piano player who sat in on some of their recording dates, making it one of the first integrated recording dates in history in jazz history anyway. So this uh, band, the Light Crest Doughboys, was almost exclusively a string band. It didn't use horns, uh, didn't use um, 
pianos too often until Naki Parker came in, and they always had a piano. Rarely used drums. It was really something that was would be familiar to you if you if you listen to the Django Reinhardt Quintet of the Hot Club of France. Very similar instrumentation. And in some ways a similar sound, but you'd never mistake one for the other. And a lot of crossover of repertoire as well. So this Meilenberg Joys features two violins, two fiddles. The dual fiddle, duo fiddles, uh, was important in this uh, style. And with the... Um, Light Cross Doughboys for a while anyway, they later got away from that. The two fiddlers we're going to hear are Clifford Gross, who generally played the melody, and Kenneth Pitts, who played harmony and did the solos. And he was a very fine jazz soloist. He actually was a very well-trained musician, which was unusual for this style. Most of these musicians we're going to hear were largely self-taught. We're also going to hear Leon Huff on guitar, Doc Eastwood on banjo, and Ramon Darman, Diarman on guitar. Sometimes he played bass on this track, he plays guitar, and Hubert Barham plays bass. So that will be the Meilenberg Joys. Then we're going to jump up about a year or so to April of 1936, and we're going to hear uh, three tunes that were recorded by the next version of this band. They also include Clifford Gross and Kenneth Pitts on fiddles. Dick Reinhardt is on guitar. He also does the singing. He was a very fine singer. Zeke Campbell was on uh, guitar, or he became an electric guitar player or a steel guitar uh, as well, but mostly on acoustic here. Um, Marvin Montgomery, known as Smokey Montgomery, played banjo, and Burt Dodson was on bass. And we're going to hear three tunes. We're going to hear The Tiger Rag, which was actually taken from a movie uh, soundtrack, and we'll talk about that when we come back. We're going to hear I'm a Ding Dong Daddy from Dumas, which was made famous by Louis Armstrong, and we're going to end up with a tune called Uncle Zeke, which we'll talk about as well. And those are all from April and May of 1936. So our four tunes, Meilenberg Joys, The Tiger Rag, Ding Dong Daddy from Dumas, and Uncle Zeke. <laughs> Thank you. 
There you go. Those are uh, some pretty hot tracks by the Light Crust Doughboys. Mylenberg Joys featured a uh, really terrific Kenneth Pitts violin solo. He had listened to Joe Venuti. I think he was a big Joe Venuti fan. Uh, and some of his solos from this period, Pitts solos, really harken back about seven or eight years to the, the Venuti and Lang recordings of 1927, 8, 9, thereabouts. This was done, as I said, in April of 1935, the Mylenberg Joys. That also included a very effective banjo solo by Doc Eastwood. It's kind of interesting, the juxtaposition of the sophisticated uh, violin playing with a sort of an old-timey banjo solo. There'll be some other very fine and uh, fairly subtle, believe it or not, banjo solos coming up on some of the recordings we're going to be listening to soon. From that point, we went on to Tiger Rat. And as I said, that was done from a film. That was a, a film from 1936 featuring Gene Autry, starring Gene Autry, called Oh Susanna. And that had the Light Crust Doughboys in it. And they did that very flashy version of the Tiger Rag, including a, a, a big slap bass solo by Burt Dodson. Also heard some very fine guitar playing by Zeke Campbell. As I said, he uh, became better known as a, as a steel, uh, lap steel and an electric guitar player in some later recordings. Another banjo solo, another violin solo. Then we heard I'm a Ding Dong Daddy from Dumas, composed by Phil Baxter, and uh, that was done also in 1936. The same band, we had... Uh Dick Reinhardt uh, singing uh, the lyrics to that one. That's actually some interesting alternate lyrics I didn't know. Louis Armstrong didn't do that. There's some heavy-duty drug references in there. Um, kind of interesting how those came out. And we heard Zeke Campbell again on guitar, Marvin uh, Smokey Montgomery on banjo, and Bill Dodson on bass, along with the two violins. Uh, and Dick Reinhardt played rhythm guitar as well. The last tune we heard was a tune called Uncle Zeke, and this had a sort of a complicated history to it. Don't know really who wrote it. Marvin Montgomery uh, said that the band that he and Naki Parker had been in before the Light Crest Doughboys, which was called The Wanderers, uh, played this tune, and it was composed by their fiddle player, Fred Cazares. Um, but Roy Newman and his boys recorded an identical tune, I think before that, in 1934-35, somewhere around there, that was called The Hot Dog Stomp, and it's the same tune. It has a very distinctive 
bridge section with rising uh, chromatic chords, which was unusual for jazz or pop music or country or anything, so it sort of stands out. Uh, Uncle Zeke was apparently the nickname of Newman's clarinet player, uh, Holly Horton, and uh, you can go back and listen to my podcast on Roy Newman and his boys to hear some of that group, which is an interesting group by itself. And this particular performance has a guitar solo, in this case by Dick Reinhardt, who was a very good player as well as singer, and uh, also banjo and some more fine fiddling by Kenneth Pitts. Marvin Montgomery, uh, Smokey Montgomery, as he was called, these were some of his first recordings with the band, and he stayed uh, with uh, the Lightcrest Doughboys all the way until they disbanded the first time, which was right at the beginning of World War II, when many of the members went into the service or defense work. Uh, he... Uh, uh, Montgomery continued to play in the Texas area. He played banjo and guitar. He did Dixieland music. He did blues. He did gospel. He did a lot of different things. And, of course, country music as well. Uh, he joined a kind of a reformed version of the Lakecrest Doughboys in the middle 1950s and stayed with them until he passed away, I think in about 2000, 2001, thereabouts. He... Um, wrote a, an autobiography that was really an account of the Lightcrest Doughboys during his time, which was most of the time that the band had existed. Very interesting, and he did a discography as well. Uh, the band still exists today in 2020 uh, to one degree or another. They have a website, and they still do some functions and fairs and so forth down in uh, West Texas and Oklahoma and down where they were most famous, and they do some uh, wider tours as well. Well, we're going to continue now and listen to a few uh, more Lightcrust Doughboys recordings uh, with what I would say was the classic version of this band. Uh, this was from 1938. Uh, the recording we're going to hear right now is another Dixieland tune. Uh, this one by the original Dixieland jazz band, and it's called Clarinet Marmalade. No clarinets here. Uh, most of the work is done by Kenneth Pitts on violin. You're also going to hear Zeke Campbell on electric guitar. And Naki Parker makes his first appearance here on piano. And as I said, Naki Parker was really a remarkable player. He uh, left full-time music for a while to become an academic. He got his doctorate in English literature and uh, taught at several different colleges until he retired. He did some gigs on the side and then returned uh, to full-time music, I think, in the mid-'70s. He made some very interesting albums. He recorded the complete works of of both Scott Joplin and Jelly Roll Morton, and he recorded with a lot of traditional jazz bands and also some blues bands as well. I think the record he made with the blues singer Big Joe Turner uh, was nominated for a Grammy, in fact. So he'll be featured on this number as well. So Clifford Gross and Kenneth Pitts again on the duo fiddles, Zeke Campbell, electric guitar, Dick Reinhardt on... Uh, mostly on rhythm guitar and some vocals. We're not going to hear a vocal on this one. Smokey Montgomery is back again on banjo, Naki Parker on piano, and Ramon Diarman, again, was back this time on bass. So these are Vocalion recordings from May of 1938. It was this band that recorded those two sides I mentioned that were on my radio program that was devoted to Naki Parker, uh, Gin Mill Blues and uh, Little Rock Getaway. We're going to play a different version of the Gin Mill Blues. This is actually was called The Mill Blues, and uh, was done uh, by Bill Boyd's Cowboy Ramblers. However, it was a recording that uh, featured the members of the Lightcrest Doughboys. Personnels were a little bit flexible back then, um, and so we actually had most of the Lightcrest Doughboys recording as part of this group. This uh, Bill Boyd and his Cowboy Ramblers recorded a lot during the mid to late 1930s, up into the early 40s, um, usually with a fairly standard group, but for some reason, for a couple of sessions, uh, 
Bill Boyd came in and took over the existing group. Boyd is the guitar player or uh, rhythm guitar player. He also sings on a couple of these numbers. Um, we're actually going to hear two numbers. One has a vocal and one doesn't. We're going to hear Jim Boyd on bass, his brother. He also played... Um, uh, with the Light Crest Doughboys at different times. Carol Hubbard is the fiddle player uh, who is paired with Kenneth Pitts in their duo. Naki Parker again, uh, Smokey Montgomery. We're also going to hear Curly Perrin, who was a regular member of the, of the Boyd Band, on guitar as well. And uh, this was recorded in San Antonio uh, in, let's see, what year was that? This was recorded in 1938 on the 30th of October. The Mill Blues, a.k.a. the Gin Mill Blues, and we're also going to put in another song called uh, Singing and Swinging for Me by Al Dexter, another Western swing star. But this is actually um, better known under another title that uh, we'll talk about when we come back after that. So we're also going to play one more number after that, and this was, I don't know if this was their, the Light Crest Doughboy's best-selling number or not, it's their most notorious number, and uh, Montgomery in his autobiography talked about how Naki Parker went to New York and uh, went to hear Fats Waller play, because he was a big Fats Waller fan, of course, and uh, Waller uh, heard his name and who he was with, and he said, oh, didn't you make that recording of Pussy, Pussy, Pussy? And he did, and that's this song. This is a, uh, a double entendre song, but you can get your mind out of the gutter. It's pretty pretty, pretty innocuous in a lot of ways, and it spawned uh, several follow-up tunes uh, with similar titles and similar uh, lyrics, but we're going to hear the original. So the four tunes we are going to hear now are the clarinet marmalade, gin mill blues, here the mill blues, um, singing and swinging for me, and pussy pussy pussy, all by members of the light crust doughboys, either under their name or under the name of Bill Boyd's Cowboy Ramblers. Thank you. 
Everybody's crazy about the gypsy swing. Certain thing makes you sing. I could go to heaven in a gypsy swing. Sing and swing for me. There's a funny feeling in the little tune. Makes you prove right in June. I could stay forever beneath the mellow moon. To the gypsy tune. Everywhere you go, you find the playing, swaying. Till the night is gone. There's a little something to keep staying. Or the tune lingers on.
Now, aren't you ashamed of yourself for having dirty thoughts about that song? Really, very, very laid back. That was a tune that was composed by a very popular African-American blues hokum novelty duo of the late 20s, Georgia Tom and Tampa Red. Uh, Tampa Red was a fine guitarist named Hudson Whitaker um, who composed a lot of tunes, and Georgia Tom was actually Thomas A. Dorsey, who later became much better known as a gospel composer um, and a gospel singer as well. And together, they uh, made a lot of really interesting sort of dirty recordings in the late 1920s. The best known was uh, It's Tight Like That, and that was uh, something that they had a pretty big hit with. Uh, Georgia Tom had also been the piano player for Ma Rainey's band for a while, so he made quite a, quite a left-turn shift in his career later on. So we started out uh, with... Uh, let's see, what did we start out with? The Clarinet Marmalade, and we heard a nice electric guitar solo by Zeke Campbell in there, as well as Kenneth Pitt's fine uh, violin playing, and wonderful piano playing by Naki Parker. Very, very well done. Then we heard uh, two tunes by Bill Boyd's Cowboy Ramblers. I forgot to mention one member of the Cowboy Ramblers, another Boyd, another brother, John Boyd, who played steel guitar, who was heard in a solo on the second tune we heard. The first tune was the Mill Blues, Gin Mill Blues. These were recordings that were not made for Vocalion. They were actually made for Victor, uh, and they were recorded in San Antonio in October of 1938. Uh, this version of the Gin Mill Blues is a lot more gutsy than the one that the Light Crest Doughboys recorded. Um, that one was uh, done actually a little bit later. That was in, in November, actually 30 days later, November 30th of 1938. So this one just had a little more going for it, I think. I like this recording better. And then we heard the song Singing and Swinging for Me, which is not a title I would have picked out of the lyrics there. Uh, the tune, when it was recorded by its composer, Al Dexter, was better known as the Gypsy Swing, which is much more sensible if you listen to the lyrics. And that featured some uh, fine playing as well by Naki Parker and a little bit by John Boyd as well. Then we ended up with Pussy, Pussy, Pussy. And that featured Kenneth Pitts, not on violin, but singing, uh, along with Marvin Montgomery and uh, a couple of other chorus members in there as well. We're going to do one more set of the uh, sort of the light crust doughboys, but we have to actually talk about what happened to W. Lee O'Daniel after that. As I said, he got fired from the Burris Mills and uh, stopped touring or, or, or managing the uh, light crust doughboys. He actually put a band together uh, that he called his Hillbilly Boys, which was along the same lines and had a certain amount of crossover of personnel over the years. And this band stayed with Lee O'Daniel for oh quite a while, from uh, September of 1935 up until, um, I think, the mid to late 40s. Leo Daniel, after he uh, left Burris Mills, started his own mill and his own flour company, which did well enough for him that he was encouraged to run for office. He actually became the governor of Texas in 1939, only served for two years before he was elected to the Senate, and he became the junior senator uh, from Texas for one term for six years. And he is notable in that he is the only politician ever to have beaten Lyndon Johnson in an election. Uh, and I believe that was the election for senator that year. And a big part of his campaign strategy uh, for his various campaigns, he later ran for governor again and lost, but he always had these hillbilly boys with him. And there were a couple of his own children in this band as well. We're going to hear four tunes uh, by the hillbilly boys, which maintains a lot of this light crust doughboys uh, 
uh, ethos uh, with it. These are pop tunes from the 30s and uh, in one case from the 20s as well. We're going to hear, uh, first of all, a tune called Crosspatch, which you might know from the Fats Waller version. This is by uh, V. Lonhurst and Tot Seymour. I had to look that up because I had no idea who wrote that. And the vocal is by Leon Huff, who also plays guitar. Uh, the band here is uh, Carol Hubbard on lead violin, uh, Mike O'Daniel, Lee's son on second fiddle, Pat O'Daniel, his other son, or one of his other sons, was actually a pretty good banjo player, Curly Perrin played... Um, rhythm guitar, and Wallace Griffin played bass. And as I said, Leon Huff played uh, guitar, played the solos, actually, and also did the vocals. And Carol Hubbard does the jazz violin solos as well. From that point, we're going to go to a tune called Baby Won't You Please Come Home from the 1920s, credited to Clarence Williams and Charles Warfield. Here we're going to have a female singer, Kitty Texas Rose Williamson. She recorded a number of things for the um, Hillbilly Boys at the time. She was quite a good singer. And this has a similar uh, group, although we have the addition of an accordion, Bundy Bratcher on accordion, Wallace Griffin on bass, Leon Huff again on guitar, uh, Mike O'Daniel on fiddle, uh, Pat O'Daniel on banjo, and on electric steel guitar, Kermit Whalen. We may hear a little bit of him coming up as well. Then we're going to go to a tune that was known for its version by um, Cab Calloway. Uh, this was actually a Fats Waller tune, but Cab Calloway had the hit recording, such as it was, of Old Yazoo. These were also all recorded for Vocalion, by the way, and this was in May of, or excuse me, in December of 1938, as as will be the last tune that we're going to hear. Roll On Mississippi, Roll On by Eugene West, James McCaffrey, and Dave Ringle. This is known uh, from recordings in the early 30s by uh, bands such as Fletcher Henderson's band, Ben Sullivan's band recorded it. Um, We did a program a while back of the Ray Noble New Mayfair Orchestra. They recorded it with Al Boley singing it as well. This is a very different version. And actually, it has the verse as well being sung. Usually, the verse is done as a as a um, instrumental, but here Leon Huff sings the verse, and he sings a second set of lyrics for the chorus a little bit later. And this is by the same band uh, as "Baby, Won't You Please Come Home," which was, by the way, in May of 1938. So those are our four tunes by the Hillbilly Boys: "Cross Patch," "Baby, Won't You Please Come Home," "Old Yazoo," and "Roll On Mississippi." Yes, 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 yes. 
That's the reason you treat me so Don't you know any word but no You know you love to be loved Cross paths Use the present and company But you take it all out on me And then expect to be loved Maybe in the end you'll be learning That the little worm is turning You're acting so spoiled Shame, shame Everybody knows your name Cross paths I've decided to call you bluff What you need is that caveman stuff And then you'll love to be loved Yeah! Just must land it, it shoot you back to old Yazoo. Almost everything you do, people's got their eyes on you. It's compelling, don't you hear me yet? And I'm going back to old Yazoo. If you don't like your beans and rice, get your rice and beans. If you don't like your greens and ham, get your ham and greens. Oh, how much longer must I have to wait? Wait in that station gate. My mind's made up things to jam up and going back to old Yazoo, yeah. Yeah, 
can't stand it, I just must land it It's choo back to old Yazoo Almost everything you do, people's got their eyes on you It's compelling, don't you hear me yet, and I'm going back to old Yazoo If you don't like your beans and rice, get your rice and beans If you don't like your greens and ham, get your ham and greens Oh, how much longer must I have to wait, waiting at station gate My mind's made up things to jam up, I'm going back to old Yazoo
So there you have it. That was uh, W. Leo Daniels' Hillbilly Boys, followed out of the uh, breakup he had with the Light Crust Doughboys, but it's a similar group, similar instrumentation, similar feel. Um, and we heard four tunes, Cross Patch, Baby Won't You Please Come Home, Old Yazoo, and Roll On Mississippi. Vocals by Leon Huff uh, and guitar playing as well. The only vocal not by him was Baby Won't You Please Come Home by Texas Rose Williamson, Kitty Williamson. And we heard some fine uh, electric steel guitar playing on those four tracks, or, or some of those four tracks, by Kermit Whalen. Uh, we heard some great violin. Uh, we've been hearing some wonderful things by Kenneth Pitts. Here it was uh, done by uh, Michael Daniel, actually. Some good Michael Daniel playing in there, at least on the last three. On Crosspatch, we heard Carol Hubbard, uh, who was a, also a very well-known Western swing fiddler, and some uh, accordion along the way by Bundy Bratcher as well. So a very interesting group, a very interesting style that doesn't get a lot of play anymore. Uh, but Western swing from this period, again, before it was called Western swing, was a, uh, a very vital force in music. It sold a lot of records and uh, became quite popular in the 1940s, not only with people in the South and Southwest where the music was born and you know nurtured, but uh, some of the bands, including Bob Wills and Spade Cooley, took up residence in California during the World War II years and shortly thereafter, and they outdrew uh, such classic big bands as Tommy Dorsey's, Glenn Miller's, uh, Benny Goodman's, and Harry James. They were uh, a very, very big attraction out in uh, the Los Angeles area and up to San Francisco uh, in the 1940s. And they had bands that rivaled some of those other bands in size. Some of them were 16, 17, 18 pieces with full string sections and four or five horns and all sorts of things like that. So very interesting uh, style of music that you don't hear about too much anymore. And as I said, these players identified themselves as jazz players. They didn't think of themselves as country or western swing or hillbilly or anything like that. Uh, they thought, uh, or they not they thought, they were playing jazz. That's what they set out to do and that's what they accomplished. So I hope you've enjoyed this program of the Light Crust Doughboys slash Bill Boyd's Cowboy Ramblers slash W. Leo Daniels and his Hillbilly Boys. Uh, some very fine music uh, and some excellent solos as well. And hope that whets your appetite for a little more uh, Western swing. A little bit later on, a few, 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 few podcasts down the line, we'll do a few of those, a few more of those as well. So thank you for listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and we're going to keep making these podcasts until we run out of room or run out of jazz. That's not going to happen for a while, I don't think. Um, if you'd like to be our sponsor, you can hit the sponsor button on the page. Uh, I don't know if you're on Spotify or, or Anchor.fm. You can find it in there and let me know via my Instagram or Facebook page, my band name, Wolverine Jazz Band. Let me know if you'd like to hear any other types of programs, any other jazz musicians. I'm trying to do some of the lesser-known uh, things, some of the cobwebby corners, as we say, of jazz recordings history. So until next time... This is John Clark of the Jazz Focus, and I'll see you on the other side.